scripture comes from the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 11. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us, us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. While Jasmine was giving her testimony, I was thinking, gosh, she's doing such a good job giving the gospel. It's like I can just come up here and say, let's eat dinner. <laughs> um, I guess I should do my job, though, huh? Right? So I um, hope this word that I'll feed you today will bless you. All right? This is part three of a very brief series that we've entitled... Um, that I've entitled Better Than Gold, and next week we'll start a new series on creation. I'm going to preach to you from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the very first verse in the Bible, which you probably don't hear too many sermons from, but I think it's very needed today, okay? So, let's get into it. Part 1, the gigantic promise of the gospel. That's part 1. That gigantic promise of the gospel. Part two, supply your faith. Supply, or let me put it a little bit, feed your faith. <laughs> we are commanded, supply your faith, feed your faith. And part three, the divine provision of Christ. Okay? So let's go part one, the gigantic promise of the gospel. Let's start right here in verse three. This is what it says. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Let's just let's let's sit on that for a second here. He has called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, if you're here, if you're here for the first sermon of this series, I took you, uh, I, I pointed out to you a little portion out of 1 Peter chapter 1. And in that first sermon, I talked about how we live in, this, in the Silicon Valley especially, but all throughout the world, people are fixated on these glories that are of the earth. And especially, we're talking about money, right? And uh, I, 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 I point to you, it's a, it's a quote at the bottom of chapter 1 in 1 Peter 1, and um, I, I, uh, you know, I hope nobody thought I was making fun of him. 
as an old preacher um, in, 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 our, in our former church, our, our preacher used to say this, and he had, he had a southern accent, so he, he sounded something like this. Uh, he says, uh, the grass withers and the flowers fade, <laughs> but the glory, the, uh, the word of the Lord stands forever. And he'd say that every single Sunday after he'd read the word of God. And um, so Terry Trailer's voice, and every time I see that, that's in there, it's in my ear. And when I read that, what I want to say to you is, you and I are always looking for some flower of glory, but it's usually some flower of glory in the world. We're always looking to build our life for some kind of something that's so exciting for us that's happening here in the world. But here it says, it says that through the knowledge of Him, that is of God through Jesus Christ, He has called you to His own glory and excellence. You hear that? Not the glory of money. Not the glory of like career success. Not the glory of how good looking you are. Right? So all these things, which is like what we, we wake up every day and we're fixated on these things, and, but God is here to offer to you his own glory and excellence. And this is the first series that I'm preaching to you as I came back um, from my sabbatical. And most of you know, I'm going to share a little bit about this. I hope you, hope you stick around for dinner, and then we're going to have some other special things for you after dinner. And uh, my wife and I are going to give you just a, a, a quick, you know, a brief, you know, overview of what we saw and experienced on our sabbatical in Korea. But what, what we did is we went to this gloriously beautiful city. It is very glorious from an earthly perspective, okay? It really is, Seoul is one of the most glorious cities in the world right now, right? But it's only earthly glories. <laughs> but what I also saw there was tremendous emptiness, and lostness and loneliness. And one of the things I wanted to come back here was to say, this city is just like our city. <laughs> it's just like Silicon Valley, and the people here are enslaved by money and earthly glory. And what we, if we're ever going to live for something more, we have to have a bigger glory. <laughs> the Bible says he offers you his own glory and excellence. Revived? Do you want that? <laughs> Do you want that more than money and whatever small glories they are here in this world? Now, as I said to you, our church is not against you, you know, going to a great college. Our church is not against you doing your hair and looking great, okay? In fact, you should eat well and, you know, like, look good, okay? And all that stuff, we're not against those things but you can't build your life on those things. Those little glories will flower, and then the flower fades. <laughs> but the word of the Lord lasts forever, and 1 Peter chapter 1 says that word is the gospel. Now I want to um, get into something here. This is the next thing. If you, how do you get the glories of the world? Like, you're like, pastor, come on. Like, I really like money. <laughs> okay? Like, I'm really into money. <laughs> or, actually, I'm not really into money, but I'm really into cars. And the cars I want cost a lot of money. So, you know, how am I supposed to get that Ferrari if I don't get money? And I'm sorry, Pastor, I'm really into the Ferrari, and oftentimes it's a lot more exciting than Jesus. 
Okay, so, so whoever you're sitting here, if you're really honest, something in you's got this little glory, and that glory seems a lot more exciting than the glory and excellence that is from God himself, right? So I want to give you a, a key right here. A key is, if you want a glory to, that's a small glory, it's a pathetic little glory, you have to have a bigger glory. And here it is. It's right here in verse chapter, in verse 4. Listen. Verse 4. He has called us to his own glory and excellence. How? By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. I called it that gigantic promise. That's what I mean by gigantic promise. His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. That's the promise. So you have to think about promises. And let me tell you something. Gosh, I, you know, like, I don't think about promises. Of course you do. <laughs> you think about promises all the time. You watch TV and a commercial comes on, and they say, if you get this product, you will get skinny stomach. <laughs> right? And that's a promise. And so, next thing you know, you're on there, Amazon, <laughs> looking for the skinny stomach from the promise on TV. Right? You see, you see some guy, and he's driving his car, and his, the girl sitting next to him, she's really pretty. <laughs> and so you're going, hey, that's a promise. If I get a car like that, I will, might have a really pretty woman next to me. But what you need is bigger promises, better promises. And this is about as big as it gets. The promise is through the gospel, you will get to be a partaker of the divine nature. <laughs> you get to be a partaker of God's nature. Now, some of you have been with me. I'm going to just whip through this theology real fast. Okay, I've kind of learned to try to say this, but this is really important. A lot of people don't understand this. The human being was destined to take on the divine nature. We're going to talk about this in Genesis chapter 1. We're made in the image of God, and that's the deepest thing about what it means to be a human. But there's three, there's three basic pathways to be human that, human uh, that people are picking. And the one the Bible offers is, to be a partaker of the divine nature. In other words, to be like God, <laughs> to image God. That's the one that's promised here, and that's the one we're screwing up. Most people don't choose that one. We usually choose the other two. The other two are, you can either be like God, one, you can be like God, or two, you can be an animal. You can be like an animal. That's the secular way. So animals wake up every day. What do they care about? Where's my food? Let me run away from my, you know, my predators. So we're scared of people. Oh, that person's going to say I'm ugly. Run away, run away, run away. <laughs> that person say, person, I'm stupid. Run away, run away, run away. That's just like being an animal. Or, you know, what animals think about is, you ever notice you watch those old, you know, those, uh, those, those videos? Animals care very much, sorry for saying this kind of crudely, about, about getting laid. <laughs> That's what animals care about. Food, running away from prey eating more food, getting the best perch in the jungle. <laughs> so you can get this bird, this beautiful bird, 
and this other bird shows up on this little perch, and then all of a sudden, this bird becomes a super mean bird. Okay? Because you've got to get the best perch in the, in the jungle. And that's the secular way. Godless people, that's all we know. More food, more success, more money, get good looking. Don't be the person that runs away from the predator. Be the predator. <laughs> that's the secular way. And you're like, the third way, it's the worst. It's to be like the devil. Pastor, I'm not like the devil. I am, you're right, I do the animal thing. I wake up for that a lot. But let me tell you, here's the devil's way. I don't need God. I can save myself. I can run my own life. I will seek after my own power, make it bigger, bigger, bigger. And when I have more and more power, that's my glory. And people will admire me. They'll worship me. I can worship myself because I'm important. The devil decided that he'd rather not have God and he'd rather be God. He'd rather be his own Lord. And the human beings, we don't think we're like the devil. So you don't think you're such a bad person, do you? But every day we wake up and often, we're like, okay, I'm going to make myself glorious. <laughs> I'm going to make myself smarter. I'm going to make myself more powerful. I'm going to go out and be a predator, not prey. I'm going to rise up and have power in our society. And then, you know, who needs Jesus? Who needs God? Isn't that for weak people? And I'm not one of these weak people. So when you hear all this kind of talk, these attitudes that are super common in our culture, you know what I hear? I hear devil. <laughs> There's only three choices of how to be human. Animal, devil, but here's the promise. To be a partaker of the divine nature. Holy and beautiful. So don't you want that? It's not like you're like, I don't need Jesus. I'll just become a good person on my own. No, there's really, it's life is really a three-choice, multiple-choice test. It's really wild. There are only three choices of how to be human. And you can choose A, B, or C. Most of us choose a combination of B or C. But God offers you partaker of the divine nature of his own glory and excellence. Okay? That's part one. Let's go to part two. Part two. This is what it says next. And um, you might not like this passage. When I read this, um, I'm not always happy about it. It's hard. Um, but this is the command. So what does it look like to pursue partaking of the divine nature? So there's a command here. And it's more than a command. It's wisdom. This is what people who are pursuing, I want to partake of the divine nature. This is what they're interested in. And it looks like this, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us, oh wait, is that it? No, no. Verse 5. For this very reason, see, God has offered you all these things. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, 
and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Man, that's kind of a long list. <laughs> Let me just say a little couple things. Um, salvation isn't just getting heaven. Salvation is getting the full totality of being truly human, glorious as a partaker of the divine nature. So if you believe in Jesus, you believe in the gospel, you believe in the Bible, you actually have to feed that faith. You have to supply that faith. Here, the translation is supplement your faith. I'm not entirely wild about that because it feels like there's faith and then you're like an add-on to faith. But actually, the word there is to like, it's more like to invest in the faith, to provide for the faith, to feed that faith. So that's why I say supply your faith. So that faith will sprout up and it like turns and it turns you into this incredible, more human, this incredible human being that is really more like Jesus. More like, I don't want to be like Jesus. You should want to be like Jesus. Even in the smallest ways. So just, let's just talk about a few of these things. And I want to just talk a little quickly about this. We live in such a degraded and horrible culture. I don't know if you think of it that way. You're like, everything looks great. I love our weather. <laughs> Netflix is super cool. <laughs> and I love eating pho on Monday. <laughs> and like awesome like burritos on Wednesday. And so like if that's all you want in life, then you know, that's, you know, that's more like animal, remember? But if you want something more glorious in life, we have to do things like virtue. Virtue. That's like an old-fashioned word. <laughs> virtue. That seems like our culture finds that word even, even boring. <laughs> but virtue is like this. The word virtue is boring. <laughs> okay? But the real thing, when you meet a person that has a real virtue, it's always amazing. <laughs> the real reality of virtue is incredible. Talking about it sounds kind of boring. Okay? So let's just give you an example. Some, how about humility? Do you like being around people that are always telling you how great they are? Or do you like being around people that are always insecure because they're always worried about how not so good they are? Both of them are problems of humility. Or do you like being around a person who's really secure so he doesn't worry about himself or herself so she actually pays attention to you? <laughs> when you're around that kind of person, it's great. <laughs> when you're around people who have no humility, it sucks. <laughs> it's awful. You just want to run away because they're always about them, or they're always about them because they're fixated on themselves, or they're always about them because they're so great, or they're, they're so bad, and they're always worried about sucking you in to, so they can prove they're great, or they can ask you to help me feel better about myself because they're needy. That's virtue. How about just a couple others that like our culture doesn't think about? Courage. C.S. Lewis says that courage is the first virtue. 
it's not actually said in the Bible that way, but I think he's right. Because this is what it means. Courage is the place when you have to use your virtue when it's most needed. When it's most needed. If you feel weird because everybody will look down on you for you know, spending 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 minutes with a smelly homeless person, then you need courage. If the whole culture is telling us lies and oppressing people in our culture, but then threatens your job, if you speak up, you need courage. And you know we live in a really cowardly culture. In our culture, all they got to do is threaten your money. <laughs> and then we chicken out. And since everybody chickens out, all the predators, and that's what they are, they're oppressive predators in a very, very ugly and devil-filled jungle, then we all get scared. But if a few people, it only takes a few, will have courage, we can help clean up our city. Yes? How about another one? One more virtue. Forgiveness. Ah. <laughs> if this happens in church all the time. You go to church, and somebody does something that offends you or even hurts you. They let you down. They said something about you, and it really, really hurt. And you know what I see among Christians all the time? They leave the church, and they go to another church. And two years, five years, ten years later, they still hate that person. <laughs> and that's the Christian. And we have been, been given the great forgiveness. And yet, we stink at forgiveness. Do you know that if you can't forgive, you're going to get divorced? Because it's not a question of when your husband or wife will hurt you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to really hurt you. If you can't forgive them, you're going to get divorced. So just three super practical virtues. I just picked those three. I could have picked some other ones. And when we go to our culture, we're terrible at all of them. <laughs> just awful. So I hope that you would say, come out of this, like this Sunday, and you're like, I want courage like Jesus. I want forgiveness like Jesus. That's being a partaker the holiness of God, pure goodness with no other BS, the holiness of God through Jesus, see? So, okay, that's only the first bucket. <laughs> so this list is like, whoa. First one is virtue. But here's the second one, knowledge. So you should supply your faith with virtue. Then you should supply your virtue with knowledge. Okay, let, let, let's... You know, like I told you, I could go on, and we can have big sermons about each one of these. But let's just, let's just, um, a lot of people who don't know Jesus, don't believe in God, don't know anything about the Bible, they don't understand this. So if you're a person, you're joining us today on our live stream or in person, and you don't know Jesus, you can say, like, I'm secular, I don't believe in this Jesus stuff. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm sorry to say this to you, and I don't mean to be mean. You're pretty ignorant. <laughs> There's a lot of things you don't know. 
and it matters. There's tons of things you don't know. Our sister told us today in a rather incredible story, she did not know that yoga is not just for physical health, that actually you're inviting a spirit into your mind and then you will get suicidal thoughts. She did not know that. There's a lot of things like that in our culture. Let me just give you one that's happening right now. So, if you're a Christian, you know there is a God who is the God of every nation, every culture, all time and place. His moral standard is the moral standard. It's the transcendent eternal. It's eternal. Okay? That means no other culture, doesn't matter their race, their religion, it doesn't matter if they're rich or poor, if they show up and tell you this is right and this is wrong and it disagrees with God, that that somehow like, well, we'll just wait for God to change his mind because, you know, the culture will change, then he'll change his mind, right? No. It's transcendent. His moral standard is a reflection of his, his eternal glory and excellence. So you and I need to put our moral heart and standard on his eternal glory and excellence. And then if you go into a culture and they tell you something that disagrees with God's eternal glory and excellence in his, in his moral vision, you can just be like, well, that's wrong. I ain't doing that. Or you can say, well, that's wrong, and that's really, really bad, and it's evil. Or it's really, really, that's wrong, and I'm going to have compassion for people who believe in that, though I disagree with it. People who know that, so you have knowledge, you have to have knowledge of that, you can live in a bigger freedom, no matter what the culture tells you. And here's some other things that you can do. You can go into a society and... They might be rich Koreans or rich Chinese people. They might be the most brilliant white people that ever went, and they went to the best school that ever was. Right? And they'll tell you their moral standards, and you can go, I don't think that's right. It doesn't matter how smart they are, what degrees they are, because guess what? You know more than they do. Let me tell you one other thing. When they start to demand when they start to demand that you follow their moral standards and they call it justice, and if you don't follow their justice, you're a bad person, you can say, mm, I think there's actually a better justice. There's a greater freedom. And so right now, we have people, you're like, if I'm on this side of the political aisle, that tells me what's right. If I'm on this side of the political aisle, that tells me what's right. But there used to be a generation of Christians who understood that no political party should ever be able to do that to you. You should be able to say, can you please shut up? Only God can do that for me. See? Knowledge. Let me just say one more thing about this. You can have virtue. There's lots of people in our culture, they, have, they don't have gospel knowledge. They don't have biblical wisdom. That's true. There's actually a lot of non-Christians who have more virtue than Christians. So, and if you meet a non-Christian who has more virtue than you, you should admire them. You should be thankful for them. I love meeting non-Christians who I go like, man, this person's humbler than me. Which isn't too hard, quite frankly, okay? Because I'm not very humble, okay? But I love meeting those people. But if they don't have knowledge, 
They're going to use their virtue, and then they're going to serve ignorance. Hmm? Lots of virtuous people who then use their virtue to serve ignorance and lies. Now we just have a great description of post-Christian cultures, okay? Okay. Let's do, um, well, we got we to gotta get to the third part of the sermon here. That part's actually pretty good. So we, let's do, let's just do one more, self-control. I know I'm already kind of sticking to you pretty good, huh? Oh, gosh, humility. Oh, man, what's he going to talk about next? Self-control. Are you the person that just can't not play that extra video game till it's all of a sudden it's 4 a.m.? <laughs> Are you that person where a lot of bad words pop out of your mouth when a rude person like a, whoop, that drives in front of you? Are you the person that reads a piece of news and the wrong political party did this thing and next thing you're, you know, you're like bleep and bleep. <laughs> These bleep and <laughs> You know, one of the, the key places where the Bible calls us to have self-control is right here, what, you talk, what comes out of your mouth, your tongue, your temper. <laughs> and especially when we get angry about these kinds of things, you know what it's, it isn't, you're like, we're right, they're wrong, <laughs> bleeping people, <laughs> they should go down. And maybe you are right because you have some knowledge. But if you only you know, whip out your knowledge, and you like having knowledge, and I'm better than these people that don't have knowledge, let me tell you, that's not righteousness. That's self-righteousness. And it's mixed together with your temper and your lack of tongue control. And then people get on this. It's even worse today. They, pull, they don't just say bad stuff out of their mouth. They whip out their phone, and they spread this bad stuff <laughs> to, like, 5,000 other people that follow them, or worst case, even 10 million or 20 million other people that follow them. And they spread this deceit and this self-righteousness and this lack of self-control. And that's why our culture is so ugly. <laughs> so imagine if some people could have more virtue, knowledge, self-control, I haven't even gotten to the end of the list. Wouldn't that make our society more like heaven? And when you go to church, don't you want to meet people more like that? Don't you want to meet people more like that? I do. So then this family becomes more like heaven. That's church. That's church. Um, let me just go to the last one. Part. Th let's go to part three. Um, I'll just say this before we go to part three. The list goes like this. Brotherly affection. You know what the word brotherly affection is? I told you last week. It's called Philadelphia. And then the top of all the list is love. Love is the peak of the divine nature. You know what holiness is for? 
It's you put all this stuff together, and then you get to brotherly affection, Philadelphia, and then you just get to love. I'm just going to say it this way. If you think you have love, but you don't have virtue, you don't have knowledge, you don't have self-control, you have a pretty dirty kind of love. Real love takes some wisdom. Real love takes, takes character. Real love takes self-control. Real love takes holiness. And I hope this church is filled with real love all the time. And when people come into this church, they're going to be they're going to think, that's a crazy place. That's a really, really weird people. And I cannot quite stick my finger on it. They're so much better. Hmm? Now let me close with um, part three, the divine provision. So let's go to this, uh, this passage, and it says this. Verse eight. If these qualities, that long list which seems so daunting, but which I hope now you will want to pursue with all your heart. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, listen to this. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he is cleansed from his former sins. Just stop for a quick moment here. There's a lot of people today that grew up in the church, they even believed in Jesus, they might have even gotten baptized, and then they never supplied and fed their faith. They don't have virtues, they don't have knowledge, they got no self-control. And they just practice this really low-grade kind of faith, this really cheap, junky, hypocritical kind of Christian faith for a long time, and then five or ten years later, they wonder if they're even a Christian anymore because all the glories and promises of the world is what they're feeding on, not the gigantic promise of getting to be a partaker of the divine nature. So then ten years later, they're like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. I don't think I'm a Christian. It says right here. Because they became so nearsighted, and that's what it means. You must become farsighted. You must see yourself. You must see who you are in the glory of Christ. You must be farsighted. But if you're only also like, I need the money. I need the skinny stomach. <laughs> like, you know, like if the girl likes me better, you know, who cares about Jesus? I just got I just got I just gotta get that girlfriend. Okay? If those small little glories are nearsightedness to you, you will become like this. But listen to this. He has forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You will never fall. Wow. Isn't that incredible? I want to close our message this way. It's really a strange way. On the one hand, that's an incredible promise. If you practice these qualities, you won't fall. Wow. But since some of you, I, I know some of you, some of you are going like, I'm screwed. If you practice these qualities, you will not fall. That's 
why I'm going to fall. <laughs> You're like, I'm terrible at these things. It's like virtue, I'm bad at that. Knowledge, knowledge of the Bible, yeah, yeah, I'm bad at that. Self-control, terrible. I'm addicted. I got a bad temper. I get easily discouraged. Then I eat a lot of ice cream. I'm describing myself. Okay, okay. Um, so some of you are going like, it sounds kind of like works righteousness, Pastor. Isn't this a grace-driven church? Aren't we a gospel-centered church? You're always telling us we're all about the gospel, and the gospel is grace. So this kind of feels like work, and a really heavy and hard work. And honestly, Pastor, I, I, I suck at it. So I guess I'm going to keep falling, huh? Is that what you're thinking today? And here's the way I want to end this sermon, okay? These, these are things, they're like these, these things are in the Bible where the gospel is said, but it's like almost, it's like without exactly saying it. It's really incredible. And let me take you to the last verse. It says this. For in this way, what is in this way? When you pursue virtue, knowledge, self-control in Christ, you're pursuing the partaking of the divine nature. When you pursue this in this way, listen to this. There will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me go to the next slide. Let me show you something, okay? So I'm going to do a little criticism of, um, I'm going to do a little nerdy criticism here, okay? But this will be good. It'll be worth it. We use the English Standard Trans version of the Bible. The, the vision of that translation of the Bible is to give you a word-for-word -word translation. When they give you that word, they're supposed to have consistency of that word, and then they're supposed to use the same English word for the same Greek word. But I don't know why the ESV guys who translated 2 Peter chapter 1, they screwed up. <laughs> they screwed up. They didn't do it. If there's this Greek word, then they're supposed to use the same English word to give it to you later on when that same Greek word shows up. So here's where it says, Here's the says, verse, uh, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. See, that's the part we don't like, right? Get every effort to supply your faith. And this is the Greek word there. It is, here it's down, epikoregeo. If you don't remember that, don't worry about it. But you should, you should know that your pastor studied this, okay? And that's the word. When you get to verse 11, it goes like this. In this way, there will be richly epli corrigeo for you. An entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The sermon title is The Divine Supply and Provision. He tells you to supply your faith. Feed your faith. Provide for your faith. I don't know what supply, provide, those are both pretty good translations. He says, provide your faith. But the passage ends, it says that you have richly been provided for 
And you know how that is? By Jesus. Here's what salvation is. See, you're not, you and I, you're, you, you wish we could just say, God, just kind of hit me with it. <laughs> like, I stink. Snap your finger. Zap me. Self-control. That's never, ever going to happen. Because you are not a piece of software. You're not a machine. There's a great old uh, theologian named Herman Bavink. His word was, we are not stuck und blocks. <laughs> you are divine persons. You are intended to partake of the divine nature. So let me close the sermon this way. There was a father. He turned to his son and said, see these people over there? They need more than your kidney. They need your blood. And you will die. They need your virtue. They need your knowledge. They need your self-control. Or they will never, ever make it to partake of our divine nature. And here's what the son said. No thanks. I'd rather play video games. Is that what he said? That's not what he said. He said, yes, father. The father said, go and provide all that they need for the divine nature so that when the spirit goes in them and they begin, they just begin to want it. They begin to believe in it. They begin to pursue feeding their faith. All of your provision will be in them through the death and resurrection that you provide. That's the promise of the gospel. That's how to be like Jesus. Don't ever worry that you don't have enough. Because you know what? You don't have enough. <laughs> you don't have enough. But whatever you got, put it in. And the full totality of the provision of Jesus will make your junky little provision more than enough. And you will partake of his glorious excellence, the divine nature. Let's pray. We don't have enough, Jesus. Oh boy, we don't have enough. Our virtue, we're so lacking in knowledge. <laughs> we're so lacking in knowledge, we don't even, we scoff at virtue. We're so lacking in knowledge, we don't even know what treasures there are in the knowledge. We settle for our lack of self-control. We're fine. We're like, Philadelphia, brotherly affection. I'll just go home and watch Netflix. But thank you, Lord Jesus. You didn't stay at home. You poured out your holiness. We are like the devil. We grasp after power. But you came to give us better than power. You came to give us not 
earthly power. Sometimes we're always like, why can't you make me richer? Why can't you make me smarter? Why can't you just give me like more power, you know, so that I could live a more comfortable life? And the truth is, you have loved us so greatly that you would give us better than power. You'd give us yourself. Give us your holy, divine nature. May we pursue it. May we love it. May we run after your divine nature that is promised to us, the gigantic promise of the gospel. May we run after it with all our hearts. And not if, when, when our power falls short. May everyone listening to this message remember your supply and your provision is more than enough. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would love us this way, you would grace us this way. May we run after you all our days and forever. In Jesus' name.